Women Taking the Lead, episode 144. You know, during the dark moments, you know, the 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 dips, the big dips, just don't worry. It's going to pass. All is happening the way it's supposed to be. And although you don't realize it or see it, those seeds are being planted and some of them are going to flourish and some of them aren't, but just don't don't worry about the dark times because because of it's temporary, you know, it will pass. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Carrie Hartunian-Smith, who works with business owners and entrepreneurs to develop accelerated growth strategies in highly competitive industries. She creates and executes strategic growth plans, directing integrations and marketing automation, as well as manages projects and establishes benchmarks for success. Her expertise in fostering winning cultures, increased productivity, and reducing costs in mission-driven environments are just a few of her recognized talents, and she is a talented and accomplished leader. Carrie Babam, this bio really impressed me. I cannot wait to hear more about what you do and how you got into the work you do, but that was just a little intro for everyone, so please share more about you and your own humble beginnings. Yeah. First of all, thanks, Jody, for having me. I'm really happy to be um, be able to visit with you a little bit about this. You know, um, I, I'm not going to take you way back in time, but I, I do want to kind of touch into my early, early beginnings. And, um, you know, I was one of those kids that just always enjoyed work. I always enjoyed, um, you know, obviously babysitting at a very young age. And um, when I got my first real job, I was 14 and I was higher than a kite. There was nothing more rewarding for me than to go and, and, uh, I, I was, I was a waitress, you know, hostess waitress and to be able to go and, you know, just really serve people and get paid for it. I'm like, okay, this is really cool. Um, school for me was really tough. I struggled in school and the older I got, um, I was, I, it was harder and harder for me to, you know, perform in school, but it was easier and easier for me to perform out in the workforce. So I had a really early taste of working and I didn't know it at the time, but really um, starting to hone in on, on leadership skills. When I was a senior in high school, um, I was in one of the co-op courses where, you know, it was not home ec, but it was like a business course where half the year, you know, you learned about how to work. And then the second half of the year, you actually had to go and get a job and um, do it for credits before you could graduate. And um, you were supposed to have the same job the whole semester. And if you switch jobs, then apparently you didn't get a passing grade. Well, my point behind this is I, I got my first job in retail and I did really, really well in the first month of that job. My manager left and she took me with her to, she wanted to take me with her to the next place where she was going. And so at, the, at an early age, at 17 years old, I was faced with, okay, how, you know, do I stick to the status quo and worry about my high school grade? Or do I say, no, there's opportunity here and um, I'm going to take it. And of course, I didn't realize all of this at the time, but when I reflect back, it, it really was a pivotal moment for me. And so I did. I, I took the job. I ended up passing high school and graduating. So that wasn't an issue. But that was a great, um, a great 
time for me in my career because what happened is, is I got in the right places at the right time and was really able to excel in my career in management. Before I graduated high school, um, I was elevated to a brand new um, resort that opened here in Scottsdale, Arizona. At the time, it was the biggest and the best resort where I was assistant manager of three boutique shops. So I was managing my peers, 17, 18, 19 year olds, and also ladies, you know, in their 50s, 60s, even early 70s. And um, it was just, it was a great experience. So, you know, fast forward the clock, I stayed there for a couple years, had a lot of experience, and then entered my, what I consider my, my career. Um, and that was um, in media and marketing. Um, my father came home one day and said, hey, I'm going to open a business. Do you want to come work with me? I said, sure. So in 1993, we um, opened a media company where we worked with advertisers and TV stations, um, connecting them um, for their paid programming. So we were kind of the middleman between advertisers and uh, broadcast and national networks, local regional networks to getting the infomercials and TV evangelists on the air. And, um, you know, it was just, there was just a small few of us that started the company. It was actually my father and myself and one other gentleman. And in the first year, we grew from just the three of us to seven of us doing about 60,000 a month in revenue to finishing our first year with 7 million in revenue. And then the next 14 years, it just escalated. We went from, you know, a few of us to seven employees, then to 15 employees. And then, you know, it just escalated from there up to about 60 employees. And then our revenue did the same. It kind of followed the same growth. So it was really an exciting time. Um, and all the while, you know, building the company and growing the, um, the different departments that we had and, you know, the, the different, you know, opening new divisions. Um, all along, I was leading. And honestly, I don't think I don't think I really realized it. Um, the company sold in 2007. I stayed on with the the uh, acquiring company. They moved me out of my day-to-day -day role and actually gave me an exciting opportunity to help them acquire five companies in 18 months. Um, we finished that right on schedule. And um, then they placed me into the ad agency for the last few years of my um, time there where I really got entrenched in understanding, um, you know, media and marketing from an ad agency point of view. Um, and then I also spent some time building an unwired network for the organization. And then in 2012, I um, left corporate America, if you will, and um, kind of took a leap, <laughs> a big leap, and entered into the consulting world. And that's where I am today. Oh, my goodness, Carrie. <laughs> I know you're giving us like your career thus far. But my goodness, like, all along the way, what, what I'm hearing you say is you were working hard and because you were working hard, opportunities kept finding you. Like you just seemed, it seemed, and I really want to underscore that word seemed that you were just in the right place at the right time. But the reality was you were chosen for a lot of those assignments, you know, right back to, you know, the, the manager in the retail store wanted to take you with her, right? Because you were a hard worker and you were ready for it. You were, it sounds like you were a quick learner. As much as you struggled in school, you were a quick learner when it came to business. Right. And the, and the work you were doing there and serving people. And every, every opportunity just led to the next one. It's so true. And, you know, um, just to kind of emphasize what you just said, 
for years. And I think I'd be lying if I told you I still don't have these feelings. But because I was not successful in school and my reading comprehension sucks and my math skills are okay. And, you know, by school standards, I was not, I was, I wasn't even average. I mean, I don't know if I was below average, but, you know, I barely hit the average mark. And so that really messes with, messed with me and, and putting value on what, I am capable of doing or what my talents and gifts are. Um, So, you know, I spent a lot of years um, struggling with, uh, you know, what I do isn't, you know, anyone can do it, you know, but it's, it's, it's not true. Right. You know, and I, let's go there for a little bit because, Mm -hmm. you know, for everyone listening, clearly they're, they're sitting back on their heels going, wow, holy smokes, this woman has accomplished so much in such a short period of time. But we all have those play, what I call plain small moments, right? From the Marianne Williamson quote, those moments where we undervalue ourselves, we don't see what we're fully capable of. And so we hold ourselves back. So if you don't mind, share with us a story about one of your playing small moments and what you learned from it since then. Yeah, sure. So, you know, um, it was a family business, you know, that I'll, I'll, I'll start with, you know, as I was in my career, you know, we had grown the company from like I just shared with you. And I can honestly tell you in those moments and in those days, I had really no idea what I, what I and with the company accomplished. Um, and I, I woke up, you know, I don't know when it was, but I woke up just feeling that my day-to-day tasks had become boring and mundane, even though we built this amazing organization. Um, As I said a few moments ago, I thought, you know, anyone could do what I was doing. I didn't play a special role in the company. Um, You know, and to me, the what I thought the next step of growth was felt way beyond my abilities at the time. Um, You know, I felt little and small and just really insignificant. You know, and there was a lot of different dynamics that went into all of that, but I truly believed at that time in my life, I was at my peak and it just did not feel good because I had big aspirations. You know, I was going places. I didn't know where, but I was going places. Um, And then, you know, when we sold the company and um, I was like, oh no, you know, what what now? You know, are they gonna keep me? I had the fear of that. and um, I was I was really given a great opportunity, and in that opportunity to, to grow with the with the new company, and in that uh, opportunity, um, you know, I was I was able to to work with people who were not my family, and produce and have their eyes be opened as far. Well, and let me put it this way: my at the time COO point blank told me when he gave me this new position, it was, this is a, this is a six month gig. Like basically they were going to use me to get done what they needed. And, um, (laughs) and then I was going to be gone. You know, I was the former owner's daughter and surely I didn't have that much value, but they needed me for a short period of time. And that was a pivotal moment for me because when I got in there and I made some major changes and had the VC people, venture capitalists, you know, writing letters saying, wow, this was amazing. She did this. Um, that is when I began to realize my value and realize everything. I, all of those stories that I told myself for years, this probably went on for 10, 12 years, um, weren't true. You know, they were the tapes that are playing that were not true. Wow. And, and that, 
and it's probably happened more than twice, but that goes back to your school years where you were yeah. not successful in school, but you were great in, in the workforce, Yeah. right? And in the company, you couldn't find your place, but you were great at this acquisition process yeah. and the transitions and all the, cra- like the craziness that goes on. I've been through two acquisitions and they are crazy. And yeah. You know, and sometimes like that, that's it. I heard a story one time where somebody was like feeling the way you did in a company and got some counseling and guidance. And what the person told them was you're an orange in a company of apples. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. You just don't belong in a company of apples. You belong in a company of oranges. And long story short, they found that company of oranges and they they were hugely successful in the new company sometimes it's the culture sometimes it's the job you're in or the your responsibilities they don't play to your strengths but a new opportunity comes and you realize oh my god i'm a superstar (laughs) doing this yeah yeah so amazing well and you know i'll tell you what i really learned too and and this is something that i learned Every time, not every time, but oftentimes when um, I'm I'm taking on a project that feels bigger than me, that feels overwhelming. And that's, you know, when I'm offered an opportunity that seems outside my knowledge base, I just have to remember to tap into my gifts or my skill set, make sure that I follow through and ask the right questions. Um, And then, you know, embrace that I don't have to know everything, but I can still provide value to the situation. You know, that I always got hung up with. Um, you know, well, I don't have the title of CEO or COO, so I'm not, I'm not as smart as them. So I, they know more than me, which is not true. You know, I, if I stick to that, you know, criteria of tapping into my skill set, following through, you know, make sure that I ask the right questions or just start asking questions until I know what the right ones are, um, and embrace that I don't have to know everything. Um, I'm good. Yeah. And it sounds like environments where you would have to be a part of the day to day, it's not the environment that that you love or flourish in. It's it's more like in environments where there's a great need or mm-hmm. changes need to be made. You can come in, make a huge difference, and yeah. then you know decide what to do from there. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Now, Carrie, share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake up call. It could have been a, a light bulb moment or it could have been a slow awakening. But usually there's a moment where we decide to take action. So share with us that moment and the steps you took that led to your success. Okay. I chuckle when I hear you say slow. I, you know, I always say yeah. I'm, I'm slow on the uptake, but when I get it, I get it. You know, and um, I think that the the those years that I spoke about starting the business and then going through the acquisition process, you know, those were all years of this slow progression for me. And, um, about five years into the acquisition, you know, working with a new company, um, you know, I, for about four or five months, um, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't like, I had no purpose of getting out of bed in the morning. Um, it just, you know, the, the, the job that they had me doing wasn't for a greater purpose that I could um, I don't want to say believe in, but just that, uh, you know, jazzed me, you know, that got me up, um, in the morning. And so I'm a single mom, um, I'm a single mom with, you know, the sole provider. So I have to be, I have, and had to be very, um, conservative or, um, thoughtful in my actions. And, and I kept thinking, I, I need to move on. You know, I, I need to figure something out. I need to, you know, get to a place and, you know, and I do want to back up at this point, I was making a very nice, secure living. You know, I had the 401k, I had paid benefits. I had a very nice salary. Um, I had worked hard and 
my portfolio showed that from a financial standpoint. And, you know, I'd been in this basically the same organization for almost 20 years. Um, and so I thought about going and looking for another job, but of course there was no time because I'm putting, you know, 60, 70 hours uh, a, a week in at my job and being a mom and, you know, dealing with life. Um, and so it, it just, it just didn't work. I kept thinking, okay, well, let me, let me see if I can dust off my resume, which is a funny story in and of itself. When I pulled out my last resume, it was on dot matrix paper and it had my very first waitressing job. <laughs> <laughs> on it. So, I mean, my resume didn't need to work, you know, that in and of itself was a job. Um, and I was presented with a risky opportunity and that risky opportunity was to be a consultant, um, work for another agency out of state. So I'd be traveling and help get their agency up and going. And I, you know, pondered on this, sought counsel from family, which I don't know if that was the best move, um, <laughs> sought counsel from other people. And it, it came down to it where when I couldn't get out of bed and, you know, I, I, not to sound dramatic, but, you know, I, like mentally I couldn't get out of bed and go in another day. Um, I gave notice, I gave a six week notice and I, I took the leap, which my whole family was thinking I was crazy. You know, I'm leaving this secure position. Um, you know, this job and I, you know, I'm a single mom and, and trying to, um, do the right thing. And, um, it was very uncharacteristic of me for sure. Um, and so I did it and I will tell you this, my current success came from that leap. However, it came from a sequence of events. Once I made that leap, meaning there were many, many moments in the last four years where things seemed to be going really the wrong direction and everything that I the direction I thought I was going, I would take a sharp left-hand turn without realizing it or take a sharp right-hand turn without um, wanting to, you know, if you will. But I stayed true to my thought process. And that's, if you know, if I use my skill set and follow through and ask the right questions and embrace that I don't have to know everything. But what I added to that is, you know, I needed to surround myself around the people that I could learn from the most and see where it takes me. And, you know, that's what I really attribute um, where I am today and, and, and how I got there. I love that, Carrie, because what came to mind is what I've heard recently. It, it said, I mean, I knew it all along, but I heard it said out loud that entrepreneurship is the most robust personal development program you can put yourself through. <laughs> yes, it is. And if, if I had thought about it or known about it, you know, sometimes I think being naive can be a good thing because it can push you out of the nest. Because if I knew, if I knew what I was going to go through before I did it, I probably because of my limit, my limiting beliefs, you know, I probably would not have done it. So thank goodness for being naive. <laughs> yes, I say the same thing. I, I say I started my business blissfully ignorant mm -hmm. of what was to come, mm -hmm. right? And not that it was so bad, but you know, how I experienced it was one thing, one, like one obstacle presented itself and I, I did what I had to do to overcome it. And then another one, and I did what I have to do to overcome it. And then the next and the next and the next. And, you know, it still goes on today, but if I had known what I was going to have to do before, you know, making the leap, I don't know if I would have, because it's my own playing small moment. I don't know if I believed I would have had it in me. Right, to right. overcome it. But when you don't really know, when you're somewhat, you know, uh, unaware or ignorant of what's to come, you just do what you mm -hmm. have to do. Mm -hmm. And you get through it. Mm -hmm. So true. And, yeah. And then you get to look back and go, damn, look what I just did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
I love that. And Carrie, you know, what I want everyone to get is there's no one way to lead, right? We're all different leaders, you know, and I'm sure when you were in high school, you never imagined that you would one day consider yourself a leader, mm-hmm. you know, and a, and, a, and a darn good one as well. You know, we all have different styles. We all have different backgrounds and expertise. So Carrie, how would you describe your leadership style? Oh, boy. Um, you know, you alluded to this a little while ago, but, you know, I really, by nature, I consider myself an agent of change or a change agent. And I think that that really helps me catapult my my style of leadership. You know, I believe it's important to inspire enthusiasm into your team, whether that's a team of one, a team of, you know, 10, a team of however big that team is. Um, you know, it helps motivate them towards the, the goal at hand. I used to say all the time when I was in corporate and having my group meetings, I can have the best idea or process to help the department grow or to help the process be more effective or more efficient. But if the team, you know, you people sitting in front of me, if you don't buy into my vision or or into the direction or the process, it's quite honestly probably the worst plan that I had because it's not going to work. So I really believe in... um, you know, well, I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth here in a minute, but I I really believe in getting your team around it. But when you are a leader, you also have to, you know, know when to say, okay, no, we're doing it anyway. But that doesn't mean, you know, if if you get the the balking from from the team. Um, But it's important, I think, to listen to what they have to say, um, be open to changing what you've presented, um, because some of the best ideas come out with brainstorming. And I can listen to a bunch of people, put a plan together, present it, you know, it works in my head, it works on paper, and then someone comes from an outside um, perspective and, and they, they, they give that addition to it that makes it thrive even better. So I would say, you know, it's important to humble myself to be able to listen to what other people are saying, which then makes the process better. Um, it helps them be feel vested in it. And then it helps whatever we're working on work that much better. And what you just described in a nutshell is the requirements of a leader who deals in a lot of change. (laughs) You have, you know, you have to, you want everyone on board. You have to share the vision. You have to get people excited about it, hear what they have to say. There's always going to be some people who are going to resist change, no matter what. It could be the best change that is going to happen to the company or to the environment, but there, you know, people will still be doubtful. So sometimes you do have to make the call like, okay, we're going to make this change. Right. And we're going to help you through it, you know, and please, you know, keep, you know, keep communicating what you're going through and we will help guide you through it. So it's as painless as possible for you. But ultimately you do have to make the decision. And you know, what I found is ultimately everyone's happy on the other side. Yeah. And you know what, if they're not, then they decide that they are the oranges and the apple company or vice versa, you know? And and so there was a time, um, and this was definitely an evolution in my style, but there was a time where, you know, if I had to fire someone or someone quit, I took it really personal. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's, you know, this is where the car is going. Do you want to, do you want to get to our destination? Great. Then get in the car and let's go. If you don't, that's okay. You know, no hard feelings. Um, and you know, I used to tell people if, um, when we hired them, um, it was, you know, assuming it wasn't a train wreck of a hire to begin with, you know, it was okay. If this isn't the right position for you and if it's not the right position for us, um, you know, 
let's test this out and see where it goes. But at the end of the day, if it's not working for us and it's not working for you, let's, let's talk about it and let's uh, unravel this relationship. So neither one of us gets hurt. So I'm not stuck with you, you know, walking out on the job and, you know, having to fill that position and you're not stuck with me having to fire you just, you know, three weeks before Christmas and you just bought all this stuff for Christmas. I mean, that type of thing. So, um, it was an evolution for me in growth and in, in understanding that just because someone either leaves or I have to ask them to leave, that it's, it's, it's business, you know, it's, it's just a business decision. Well put. And Carrie, what is the biggest leadership or business challenge you're faced with right now? Oh, gosh. Um, I would say... You know, I don't know if it's really a challenge, but it's where I'm at right now. My business is service-based. And, um, you know, trying to scale that can be really difficult. When I set out, I don't know that I really understood. I I, I knew the concept, but I don't think I, I hadn't lived it, so I, I didn't completely understand it. And that is, um, you know, having a business that I work in versus a business that's working for me and, um, you know, that latter piece is to me is where you get the true freedom. And that for me comes with scalability. So that's, that's kind of what I'm working on right now. So it's more about the phase that your business is in yes. rather than there's any particular challenge. That's great. Yeah. That yeah. It's great. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, what is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Well, you know, I, I love that question. Um, my, Again, when I set out for consulting, I, I really didn't have a clear map of what that was going to be. And where I've landed in the last 18, almost two years now, I guess, 18 months to two years, is I've been working with a lot of um, business people um, elevating their brand, you know, elevating their authority. And we do that through um, creating a book and or getting it, not, not and or, but and getting it to um, bestseller status on Amazon. But what I really love about that is helping them use their book to leverage um, and have it be a, you know, a, a profitable tool in their toolbox, if you will. And um, I have about, in the last 18 to 24 months, I have about 20 authors that have reached number one bestseller, some of them international bestseller. And we've taken their book from being just, a, you know, another book on Amazon to um, a, a 3D tool, if you will, where they're able to use it as a lead generation and able to use it in addition to build their authority um, and, and leverage. And so, you know, I'm excited to be able to start putting some, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the word product lightly, but a product together that can help people who either want to do it on their own um, and or, you know, me walk alongside them and, and helping them. There's nothing better. There is just nothing more exciting than to be working with a client and ha you know, let them know, hey, you just hit number one bestseller in all of these categories, in all of these countries. And oh, by the way, you also are in the top 100 authors on Amazon. It's, it's just it's just such a gratifying um, time for, for, for me to work with the authors. That's amazing. And where can people find out more about that service? Because I know a lot of people who want to write an ebook and have that be as a lead generation um, tool into, say, a membership community uh -huh. or some program or something like that. Yeah, you can visit my website. Um, it's www.smartmarketingconsulting.com. Um, if you scroll down to the bottom of that page, you'll see some um, uh, bestseller seals. If you click on that, you'll see a list, not of all the authors, but many of the authors. And if you hover over each book, you'll see the different accomplishments they got. And um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, I think 
I think everyone, a lot of people know that writing a book is a path to elevate your authority, but there's so much more than that um, with the marketing of it and having it be a lead gen. And it's, it's just really an exciting time. That's amazing. Okay, Carrie, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. Yeah. So tell us, what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? Hmm. Um, okay, so I really believe that I became a much better leader once I had my son. Um, so no, I'm not recommending people go out and have babies to be a better leader. Um, but my point behind that is what I found is that when I watched others, well, first of all, um, being able to learn how to parent him to get done what needed to be done without demanding it, you know, because that doesn't always work with a child. Um, even though you're the parent, you'd think that that works, but it doesn't. So I had to come up with some, you know, creative ways and, and how to work through difficult situations. And I really brought that over into my management style. Um, but in addition to that, I would say watching people, watching um, how they interact and then how the person responds to that interaction. And then asking yourself, does that work for you, um, your style? And how did you think that reaction turned out? And then adapting that into the next time that that, that you have that situation. So I'm a big people watcher, um, you know, whether you're at the airport, at the grocery store, or, or wherever you are, um, watching body language, watching how, how something is said, and then how people perceive it, um, and trying to adapt that into my, my style of, of leadership. And what is one book you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Oh, wow. Okay, so I'm a book skimmer, not a book reader. Um, there's <laughs> a lot of them out there. Um, I really enjoyed, um, you know, Simon, um, um, his last name escapes me right now, but Leaders Eat Last, Start With Why. Um, you know, there's over... 200,000 books just on leadership alone on Amazon. Um, and what I have found with books, because I'm a skimmer and not a reader, is that, um, you know, to me, leadership comes from within. We all have our, per our own personalities. Um, we need to work on our relationship within ourselves to have, in my opinion, to have a successful leadership with other people. So I would say find a book that speaks to you, um, who you are, what you want to be, and then see how that manifests inside um, how you lead others. Recently, I did read this book from cover to cover. It's The Traveler's Gift by Andy Andrews. And it's not a book about leadership, but it's about um, differences between failures and successes. And I pulled so much out of that in how I can be a better leader in my life overall. I love that. And I got a chance to see Andy Andrews speak and he was phenomenal. Oh, he's awesome. Really? Yeah. 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 And Carrie, what advice would you give your younger self? <laughs> oh, okay, so yesterday there's a song that came on the radio uh, by Mercy Me, and it's Dear Younger Me. And I've heard the song many times, but never really paid attention to it. And there's a line in there that says, my choices made me. You know, even though I love my life, um, it says something to the effect of, I wish it was a smoother ride, which made me chuckle. But when I think about what I would tell my younger self is, you know, during the dark moments, you know, the, the, the dips, the big dips, just don't worry. It's going to pass. All is happening the way it's supposed to be. And although you don't realize it or see it, those seeds are being planted and some of them are going to flourish and some of them aren't. But just don't don't worry about the dark times because because of it. it's temporary. You know, it will pass. Awesome. And lastly, share with us, well, not completely lastly, but the last question of this uh, 
quick leadership roundup. Mm -hmm. Share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Ah, um, I would say to piggyback on what I just said is everything is temporary. Um, and you know, I have a pretty strong faith based. And, um, when I was going through some dark, dark times, there was a scripture that talked about, you know, everything here on earth is just temporary and it will pass. Um, and just to remember that. And when I was having some dark times in corporate America, literally I would chant that to myself and say, this is just temporary. It will pass. This is temporary. Um, and I think it's important to realize that not just with the difficult times, but with the good times. So celebrate, you know, celebrate the good stuff in addition, because I hate to say it, but it's just temporary. <laughs> yes, yes. This won't go on forever. Right, right. <laughs> All right. And lastly, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Yeah, you know, visit, you can visit my website, again, www.smartmarketingconsulting.com. On there, there's a link to send me an email. Um, my phone number's there. You know, um, I'm one of those people that answers the phone and answers emails. Um, so, you know, my whole vision for what I'm doing is just to help um, business owners and entrepreneurs get to from where they are to where they want to be. And, um, you know, I believe in providing a lot of value before um, ever, you know, asking for for uh, putting a contract on the table because I believe in, in the right fit. So, you know, if there's something in my story that resonated with you and you'd love to talk through it, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to kind of share my journey and, and see if that can be a blessing to to your listeners um, walk. Yeah. And for those of you listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And Carrie, thank you so much for taking the time out to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life but need some support? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash contact to introduce yourself. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me and here's to your success.